Building wealth is an intentional practice that requires envisioning your future life. This is something I recently learned from Wealth Circle, an experience that totally transformed my relationship with money. And in this episode, I am doing a solo recording where I will share all the top takeaways from my journey with wealth and money and money management so far. I've read different books and I've taken a few different courses on money over the past decade, all within the world of personal transformation and personal development. And just to give you a glimpse, I've never done an episode dedicated to a specific one experience. This wealth circle experience that I will be speaking about was just so profoundly important and it feels like there was a life before it and there's now a life after it. I got a very, very clear guidance to record an episode where I share some of my top lessons with you, share how I'm implementing it into my own life, and also give you a glimpse into some of my money journey in my life. This particular episode will be more focused on the practical aspect of money management and building wealth, passive income, and financial freedom. I feel like those terms have been thrown around so much on TikTok and Instagram, and I never really fully understood what it means and how it applies to my life. So here in this episode, I will break it all down and share my understanding and my breakthroughs on all of these topics with you. And so I really invite you to listen to my definition of these things, how I experience it, and take what resonates with you, take what applies to your life, take what feels expansive, And leave what doesn't as you walk on your own path of defining what a wealthy life means to you. I am going to create a special page for the show notes for this episode, kseniabrief.com slash wealth, K-S-E-N-I-A-B-R-I-E-F.com slash wealth to find all of the links to all of the books that I mentioned, resources, and the Factura Wealth Circle if that's something that you are called to learn more about. All right, here we go. I've had the desire to have more understanding of money and the financial institutions and investments and how to manage the money that I was making through my business for years now. And then I had a big shakeup when Michelle Sinead who was a guest on this podcast on episode 145. While I was interviewing her, you can go back and listen to that moment. She said, I broke up with making money. And the way that I understand it now is instead of seeing money as this entity that we have to go out and work hard for and get and and have in our life, it's more that We allow ourselves to become stewards. We allow ourselves to become vessels. And when we don't have the attachment to money, but we focus on the experiences that we want to bring forth into the world, into our lives, into whoever else we want to support through our activities in the world, it becomes a whole different plane of existence. And it's a whole different game. So that's something I've been personally playing with and experiencing. And there's been so many things happening the past few months. I'll do another episode when I'm ready on that. But that planted really powerful seeds that shook up how I was seeing 
money in a more linear way. I ended up working with Michelle Sinet for six months as my mentor. And I remember asking her a question that I had on my, in my notebook for a long time. And I said, I have this hunch that money desires to be in spaces where there's clarity, in spaces where the person who is the steward for that money understands where the money is coming from, where it's going, what the flow in and out is, how it's being managed, when it's just sitting, what's the purpose for that. And I was really hoping that she would say, no, it doesn't matter. You just have to keep your frequency high and trust that you're a vessel and money will come to you with ease at all times. And she didn't say that. She said, yes, you're absolutely right. Money does desire to flow into the lives of those who have this clarity, who have this human level of organization in their bank accounts, in their spreadsheets, and however you track your money. And so from there, I realized I really desire to have more clarity in the area of money. I've been self-employed for over six years. I've had my own business for over 10 years, maybe even closer to two decades now. And so it's always been something that I do. I exchange my creativity, my knowledge, my ideas for money, but then what happens to it and how it gets managed has not been very clear. I went to school for journalism and then I got a grad degree in fashion merchandising and there wasn't much financial education at all. I find it to be so fascinating that money is such an important part of every single person's life. There's mortgage or rent, there's food to buy, there's other bills to pay. So many things we want to do in life, they require that exchange that involves money. Yet most of us, me for example, even though I have some of the best education that I could have possibly gotten, I never really learned the practical skills of relating to money and managing it and building it, investing, saving, building wealth, thinking for the future. I have a confession to make that I had a thought around investing and saving. I'll share with you in a little bit. But anyway, all of that was bubbling up within me. And I knew that there's got to be something out there, a book or a course or a mentor or something that would support me on this journey of feeling more empowered in how I relate to money and how I manage it in my life, especially as my business grows and as my personal wealth grows together with my husband and on my own. Because up until now, it's felt that even though I've had very successful months, I've had really good years, I've had a six-figure business for a while now, I've never really known how to set up any systems that would allow me to for example, take three months off if I wanted to set up investments and income streams and things like that to feel comfortable with not having to bring in money every single month. Both Eric and I are, my husband, are entrepreneurs and we're up to big things in the world and we just sold our house. We're about to get the biggest chunk of money that I have ever seen in my life. and. We wanted to understand this field of play on the current scale 
before we move into playing in a bigger lake, playing more like in, in the ocean. And one of my missions and one of my biggest joys in life is to bring large amounts of money through my experience so that I can support artists, so I can support not only artists who consider themselves artists, so I can support entrepreneurs, healers, coaches who want to share their medicine with the world, but perhaps don't know how. So I do this through my services on a paid basis, but also one of the ways that I do this is I hire them to either work with me or, you know, anyone from a mentor or a coach or a tattoo artist or a person who helps me express my voice in the world. All of these people, it brings me so much joy to know that through my own business, through my own gifts, I can bring money into my bank account and then be this vessel to distribute it to more people whose voices I would like to see more of in the world. So when I allow money to flow in, by the way, I said this would not be very energetic, but this feels like a very important preface to everything else I am about to share. So I am trusting this flow. So when I allow money to flow instead of holding onto it, when I have the desire, for example, to make money because I want to invest into this coaching program or into this mastermind or into this art, it flows into my experience so much more easily than when I just want the money in my bank account. I recently had an experience where I got connected with a branding agency and I've had a glimmer of redesigning some things in my business that you'll be seeing soon for a while now. And when I landed on their site, I just knew that this is it. And when they named the price of what it costs to work with them, I just wrote a note and I put it under my computer at my desk. And it said, I invite in this amount into, to flow into my experience with ease and grace so that I can have the most expansive and joyful branding experience for everybody involved. Within a day, I got a contract for almost exactly that amount. And then also an unexpected amount of money came in within the same time frame that brought it like almost, almost to that amount. And so the more I learned to not hold on and hoard and want to see the numbers in the bank, but the more I focus on the experience of what I want to create in the world, the connections, the growth, the beauty, the more it actually does flow into my life. So switching the channels here a little bit, going into my money story and some of the early money memories that I have in my life, because in my experience, a lot of the beliefs that we carry around money are not ours at all. Our soul does not believe they're true. They're conditioning. And yes, they can be repatterned and reconditioned and let go of and be given to the fire. When it comes to my earliest money memories, some of them are very joyful and empowering. And some of them are the opposite of that. So one of the very first memories that comes to mind is when I was about seven years old, and I was spending summer at our country house where we would grow fruits and vegetables and spend most of our time outdoors, playing in nature and foraging, helping in the garden sometimes when my mom would force me. And the game that I loved playing the most was a store. 
being a store owner. And particularly, I loved playing the cashier. So I would take leaves from a tree and I would pretend that I was closing down the store for the day. And I was counting those leaves to see how much money I'd made for the day. (laughs) So I've always loved counting money, Monopoly as well. And the memory that was the opposite of that is that I went to a school in Moscow that was very um, upscale. So there was a lot of kids from the center of the city, a very wealthy area. A lot of kids of celebrities and famous entrepreneurs and business people from all over the country went to that school. And so a lot of them, they would come to school driven by a private chauffeur in the most luxurious cars, wearing Louis Vuitton when they were like nine years old. And so I used to compare myself a lot. And, you know, when I didn't have the fanciest phone or the fanciest bag or the car that I was dropped off in was old and janky, uh, there was a sense of embarrassment. And it's something that I've untangled in my years of healing. And I have a lot of compassion for what I was feeling. I have a lot of compassion for that girl that thought that those external markers mean something, that they have anything to do with who I am. And I think in the world of social media, in the world of entrepreneurship, even as adults, a lot of us tend to play that comparison game. And this is your divine reminder that you don't have to. You can create your own unique way to all of it. There's things we can learn from anyone, but your path is only yours to walk. I started working really, really early on. I was probably 14 when I started babysitting and I got paid $5 an hour for that, which felt like a lot of money at the time. I also tutored English. My mom was an English teacher and she would kind of mentor me in teaching kids English. And I also really, really wanted to make money to buy a camera to create content for my blog at the time on LiveJournal. And I also wanted to make money to be able to travel more than our family trips once or twice a year. And so I worked as a photojournalist. I worked as a reporter. I worked as a mystery shopper. I did so many different things. It's crazy. Some of the jobs paid very, very little money. One of them was close to probably $3 an hour at the time. But it offered me something that was a lot more valuable than money alone. And this is the through line that I invite you to keep in mind as we continue on this journey and in this conversation. So that job that I'm talking about, it was at a company that was a distributor of some of the most well-known fashion brands in Russia and in Europe at the time. And so my job was to come every Friday and I would sit down in the office and I would go through a pile of magazines. And I was a person who was obsessed with fashion, obsessed with magazines. I would read everything from cover to cover. I would learn the names of all of the fashion designers. So when 10 years from that moment, I ended up in New York City, walking the dogs and bringing coffee to one of those fashion designers, it felt like a dream come true. It felt like I made it in life. It felt like I was in a movie set. And to be honest, it still very much feels that way. I was walking down the hill on our property just a few moments early after the rain. 
I watched the sunset up on top of the hill. And as I was walking down, I just had this awakening, this presencing to the idea that I am living the life that I dreamed of as a kid who grew up in Moscow and always wanted to be somewhere else. And so I'm so grateful that I was able to find a land and a country and a community where I feel like I belong and where I feel free to be fully expressed. And I wish that to everyone. And from my example, I know that that's possible. So that job, what it did, it didn't give me a lot of money, but what it did give me is a glimpse into that world, being surrounded, getting a taste of what it's like to be part of that world, allowing me to energetically try on being that person. I remember imagining myself uh, the first time I worked with a coach when I lived in San Francisco going to grad school. I remember he would take me through these visualization exercises of what I wanted to do in my life and in my career. And I would envision myself at the head of this big table being this marketing director for a fashion brand. And it didn't end up looking like that, but I did end up being a fashion social media director at a fashion brand. So it's interesting how getting an energetic glimpse of what we want and allowing ourselves to time travel into that moment in the future to taste it. That is the most important thing. I've done that with apartments. I've done it with relationships. I've done it with job opportunities. That is way more important than understanding how it actually looks in the physical world. Once we emotionally get a glimpse of what it's like, it all unfolds and we become a lot more open to bring it into our experience once we're connected to the emotion instead of just the human limited vision of what we think it will look like. It's more about the feeling. So that's what that job did for me. And before we continue, I also want to invite you to see how this applies to you. If you are self-employed, if you have your own business, if you're a solopreneur, how about we give ourselves the grace to do things within our business, within our creative expression in the world, that do not have any ROI that we can understand, that do not have any direct contribution that we think, that we can think of, that we can imagine, but things that are an investment into our education, into our peace of mind, into expansion, into connection. Some of the days in my business, I don't go to my desk at all. I spend all day laying down on the earth, talking to the trees, listening, slowing down. And those are some of the most productive days when I get the best ideas for the business for the rest of the year to come. So what if we give ourselves grace? And just like I did with that job back then, I didn't expect it to be this money-making machine, but I knew I just wanted to be part of it. So how can you in your own business allow yourself to follow where you're guided to, to follow what you want to invest your energy to without needing to understand right away why you're doing it, what the return's going to be, and how that's going to benefit your business. So all of these odd jobs, I was living in my parents' apartment still, and at some point I was even getting a stipend. So I went to college in Moscow to one of the best schools called Higher School of Economics. And even though it's called economics, I actually studied journalism. So there was not a lot of math or numbers or economics or business. And when I graduated, I moved to San Francisco. 
20 and my college was free and the grad school was paid by my parents, which I'm eternally grateful for. So there was no school debt. Then after I was done with grad school, I moved to New York. At first they helped me because I took a couple of unpaid internships. And then at some point I was on my own and that was super exciting. I lived in a shoebox apartment in Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn. Then I ended up getting my dream job. I was hired after months and months and months of interviews to be the social media manager for the women's fashion business at Guilt Group, which at the time was one of the hottest startups that everybody wanted to be part of. I was technically underqualified for the job, but I was so eager. I was so hungry. I did so much research. I actually wrote my thesis on them. So I had a lot of confidence around this being the perfect job for me. And I convinced everybody. So I got hired. And I think my salary was I went from being paid thirty-six to forty thousand at my other job to getting this fifty thousand dollars salary, which felt like, whoa, this is incredible. Unfortunately, or actually fortunately, looking back in hindsight, it all makes sense. Two months after working in that job, an attorney pulled me aside and said, I'm so sorry. Our application for your visa did not go through. The government ran out of visas. We didn't meet the quota. And you have 60 days to pack your bags and leave. You can't keep this job. You can't keep your visa. I'm sorry, there's absolutely nothing we can do. So that was a very existential moment in my life where I refused to give up. I continued seeing different attorneys and lawyers. And I kept hearing the same story of your only way to stay is to get married. So after hearing it a few times, I told my boyfriend at the time, who had expressed interest in getting married before that, you know, if, since we've been considering this, this would be a perfect time to do it. And, um, he backed out, which now I'm super grateful for. That relationship did not work out and I was all on my own trying to figure it out. Had to get rid of my apartment that I had just rented out, bought all the furniture, was just living the life and moved back into my friend's apartment and lived on her couch. How I figured this out was truly by grace of Mother Nature, God Universe. I ended up meeting somebody who told me that there's a dance school, a ballet school, that takes students on a rolling basis and they could extend my visa as long as I go to dance full time. And I mean, I had done hip hop. I was obsessed with B2K and Timbaland at the time. And I was even on a hip hop dance crew in Moscow back in the day. But this was something totally different. And I'd never done ballet in my life. But you know what? I said yes. This was my only way to stick around. And then hope that the following year, when the quota opens up again, we can go for it again. So for about a year, I went to ballet school. I ended up learning capoeira, which is a Brazilian martial art and performing with a capoeira crew on a boat. I also ended up learning Brazilian samba and performing with a Brazilian samba crew in New York Dance Parade, walking down the streets, performing in front of everybody. And in the money department, I was not allowed to work. When you're a student, and when you are on a student visa in America, because my work visa did not go through, I had to go back to the student status. And so when you're in that status, you are not allowed to work. It's illegal. So I had to 
go back to my parents helping me, which I am eternally grateful for. It was truly one of the most adventurous and crazy and testing times in my life that took full surrender and trust, but I never had a doubt. And one of the things that helped me keep going at the time was that I had this thought, again, with my coach who really helped me at the time. His name is James. What he guided me into is, what is the alternative? What are you so afraid of? You know, if I lose the ability to stay in the U.S. and continue building my life here, what's going to happen? What are the alternatives? And so when I was able to let go of this really tight grip of, I only want to be here. This is the only place in the world. And I expanded my vision and my heart into the rest of the world. And I created an alternative vision. I decided that, okay, if this doesn't work out, if I actually get kicked out of this country, I'll go to Bali and I'll teach yoga and I'll be a photographer and I'll spend a lot of time on the beach and be a nature fairy. And that felt very exciting. And that took off some of the charge and the grip I had on needing to stay. And sometimes creating these parallel scenarios is exactly what we need to let go of this really tense desire to have this and only this. And then what happens is that this and only this figures out a way to come into your life. That has been my experience over and over and over and over again. So the following year came and I didn't have any guarantees that any company would keep any job for me or that any company would apply for my work visa again, which is a big paperwork ordeal. And it worked out. Another company that I was working for, Visual Therapy, amazing people, amazing company there, our luxury personal image company based in Manhattan, but working really all around the globe. They hired me and they applied for my visa, which ultimately led me to my green card and now to my citizenship. I just got my passport a few weeks ago and it's been such divinely timed gift to have right now with everything that's going on in the world. While I was working full-time at visual therapy, I was also building my side business, my wellness blog, Breakfast Criminals. It didn't really start as a business. It started as a creative project guided by whispers I was hearing in meditations and it grew into a business. I started making money by partnering with brands to create content, which with time grew into a business with multiple revenue streams that included teaching social media, coaching, mentoring, and making money as a speaker at events. So from there, I've done a lot of various things that I've shared on this podcast, but my three main revenue streams in the past six years that I have been working for myself alone have been number one, courses, coaching, mentorship, and consulting. Number two, partnering with brands on content, podcast sponsors, and also affiliate income, meaning that I promote products or services that I personally love and use. I put some search engine optimization behind that content on the internet. And then people who are searching for recommendations in those particular areas, for example, ceremonial cacao, if you Google the best ceremonial cacao to buy online, my post comes up one of the top three consistently and my YouTube video is up there too. And so anybody who purchases cacao through those links, they're brands that I've personally tried and vetted and absolutely love and adore, high integrity ethical brands 
doing great things supporting small farms around the world. And I get a commission for using my platform and my knowledge of SEO to promote them. So that's been intentionally becoming a bigger revenue stream. And uh, I've shared more about it. I'll link to an episode that I did previously on particularly on the affiliate income. Because out of everything I do, I would say it's definitely the most passive one. There are days where I will get an $800 check that I was not expecting. And that is how affiliate marketing and affiliate content works. I create podcasts, I create YouTube videos and blog posts out there that are evergreen. And then people continue finding them over time. And I continue making money over time. So it's a lot of work up front. It's a lot of patience for it to start ranking because Google takes a few months up to six months or more to actually rank you for the keywords, for the content, for the backlinks. It's a whole other conversation I'm happy to have. Let me know if you want to know more about this. I love this topic. But that's as much as I want to say about this. There's a few other smaller revenue streams that I have, but these are the main ones. And since we're talking about sponsors, I want to thank the sponsor of this episode, Silver Biotics. I have been taking their colloidal silver supplement for the past few days. You may be hearing that my voice is a little raspy. I feel like I've been on the verge of maybe getting sick or maybe it's allergies, even though I never get allergies. I don't know what it is, but something's a little bit off. So I've been really doubling down on that silver and I feel so much better so quickly. Have you heard of silver as a supplement? Yeah, you heard that right, silver. I've been hearing about its immune supporting properties for years and got to experience its power in its fullest this past season. I've been taking silver biotics daily to help keep my immune system on guard from those tiny body invaders. It has helped restore my immunity to recover and get back to business so quickly. Talk about a biohack. When used as a preservative, silver cell technology can inhibit the growth of bacteria, yeast, and mold in the product. Pretty cool, right? It can also help with oral health and skin conditions. Silver Biotics brand is perfect for taking control of your own health as they offer products in several health categories, including dietary supplements for immune support, skin care, oral care, and wound care. Here's the thing, not all silver is made equal. Silver Biotics brand allows you to access the power of silver like never before. They've taken the old technology of silver and improved it to create the next generation of true colloidal silver products with their silver cell technology. In addition to using their immune support supplement, I've been using Silver Biotics Armor Gel. It's incredible for all kinds of cuts, wounds, burns, sun damage, and bee stings. I had our contractor use it the other day for exactly that, and being the country person that I am, I always have it handy. Silver Biotics products have super clean ingredients that have passed my personal test. There's no parabens, no synthetics or sulfates, and when they use scent, they only use the highest quality essential oils, not fragrance. I am also excited to test their toothpaste, so stay tuned for that. If you want to make a powerful addition to your daily routines and medicine cabinet, Silver Biotics is an awesome brand to check out and keep on your radar. Go to silverbiotics.com and use code Ksenia, K-S-E-N-I-A, for 20% off your first time order. That's S-I-L-V-E-R-B-I-O-T-I-C-S.com, code K-S-E-N-I-A, for 20% off. You can also find that link in the show notes. And now back to this episode. 
even though I've consistently had a business and I've been making money, I never really got into investing or saving. And here's why. This is my confession. That's a little bit embarrassing, but also very real. And I find that having transparent conversations about money is one of the most helpful things we can do for ourselves and for each other. So here it is. I realized that the reason I refused to look at saving and investing most of my life is because all of these charts with projections where, you know, they say invest a thousand dollars every month for 30 years and you'll be a millionaire or whatever the numbers are. They are speaking to the future out there 30 years from now. And I don't know if I'll be alive. I'm such a YOLO person. I'm so in the moment. I'm always tuned into what feels alive right now. I'm very much going with the flow. Let's tune into what feels right right now. Let's make plans, but then stay open to changing them. If you ask my husband, I'm always reserving the right to change my mind five minutes into the movie if I don't like it. I'm quite impatient and I like to take on things that can manifest quickly and planning for the future occurs honestly is boring. So the breakthrough that I had within the wealth circle is that the distant future of financial freedom becomes a lot closer when we increase our investing rate, which is the ratio of the money you're bringing in to the money that you're investing, which in my perception makes this whole thing of investing a lot more exciting and not so distant game. So understanding that it's in my control to actually shorten that graph. And if I invest a lot more now, let's say in the next five years, I can retire at 40. And financial freedom to me, the way that I understand it, is not about retiring and just sipping margaritas on the beach, but it's about having the freedom to not work. And then from that freedom, deciding, okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to be an angel investor? Do I want to develop healing spaces around the world and create experiences with cacao and yoga and sound and breath work? To me, that's what financial freedom represents. And the fact that me making some smart moves now and getting to the rhythm and flow and habits of managing my money in a way that accounts for that vision for my future changed everything. It was like a night and day. It was like black and white, completely changed the way that I view investing and saving. So instead of imagining myself, you know, having gray hair and being super old, sitting somewhere on the porch with millions of dollars that got compound interest because I made some smart investing moves, I've always desired to have that freedom now. And it was hard for me to have that patience to think for the future. So now knowing that. I have the control of making that happen way sooner than all of these old perceptions of achieving financial freedom in retirement in your old age. That has been one of the most empowering pieces of inner knowing that I've taken away from the wealth circle. So that said, even though I didn't have that breakthrough until recently in my factory experience, I did read some books along the way that have given me a glimpse into what it's like to have an empowered relationship with money. One of them was Rich Dad, Poor Dad that my father gave me. And I learned a lot about real estate investment from that, about diversification. And then more recently, I read, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. I think it was 2019 when I picked it up. And some of the big lessons in that book by Remit Seri, which I will link in the show notes, 
is starting investing as early as possible. Just like the Chinese proverb about the tree that says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Another very interesting thing I learned from Ramit is that he actually, at the time of me reading that book, he was still choosing to rent instead of owning. And the way that he explained it with how many expenses go into maintaining a property that you own is giving me a lot of peace of mind as I'm thinking about us moving to Austin this summer and renting while we're looking for our next home or building our next home. In the short term, it feels like such a big expense, especially to what we've been spending here in our mortgage on our current house that we just sold. But in the long term, this is a necessary part of the vision we're building and the community we want to be part of. So seeing the short picture and the long-term picture and how they nourish each other is something that keeps coming up over and over again. And then something else that Ramit also introduced me to through his book is communicating openly and honestly about finances with your partner. That is something that we have been cultivating and I feel really good about. We're working on setting up some ongoing financial meetings as I have taken on the role of the wealth manager for our family after taking the factorial circle. But I'll share more about that in a little bit. Another thing I learned from Ramit that is amazing, I highly recommend his book. If you're interested in this topic, you haven't read his book yet, definitely pick it up, is negotiating fees with your bank, with anybody really. I've negotiated fees on credit cards and all kinds of sneaky fees on debit cards, and it works most of the time. It takes one phone call typically, and it can save hundreds of dollars, if not more. Now, in his book, Ramit also shared a crazy statistic about the average wedding cost. The average wedding cost in America is $35,000. And some people start saving for it back in college. Neither me or Eric had any kind of savings for wedding. Neither one of us ever wanted a big wedding. So we didn't really have a public wedding. We went to our dream place at Londolozi Reserve in South Africa on a safari. And we had a virtual wedding and it was everything we could have possibly dreamed of. And instead we invested the money that we could have spent on an in-person wedding into a business as our first business investment that is not our own businesses. So this brings me to where Eric and I are now as we grow our income together. In the past few years, I've interviewed a few financial advisors, but it never felt right. It's always felt like finances is this foreign language from a different planet that I can't access. And I can't in an empowered way work with any of those financial advisors until I get on the same plane until I understand at least the basics of what they're doing for me. Something I've been thinking about is, you know, there's books, there's some podcast conversations, there's a couple of conversations with friends I would have about money, but I was desiring so much more than that. And it's interesting how money is such a big part of all of our lives, yet it's considered this taboo topic that we're not used to being fully candid about. Besides my husband, I can't think of a single person who I have truly been fully transparent in my finances because our lives are just not set up for that to be a normal part of 
relationships. And so I had been hearing about Fektora's wealth circle for years now. My dear friend, Abby, who was a guest recently, I think it was episode 201. She actually was part of the very first wealth circle. And then also my friend Jules took the wealth circle a couple of years ago. Jules was one of the very first podcast guests. And I kept hearing about them, that there's this online program that guides women into wealth, that explains all these investing concepts and saving concepts and creates a community where women can talk about things openly and ask questions and explore and learn together. And this time it came on my radar and it felt a hundred percent right. Everything about it. I was just a hundred percent in from the get-go. So I ended up taking the 12-week experience with Factora, which is a 12-week live online course that teaches women proven investment strategies to build wealth. I took that starting winter 2022 and it ended just recently in May 2022. Not only was this one of the best organized courses in anything I've ever taken, it was fully transformational to everything I know about money finances and my relationship with them. And so I had a very strong calling to share this episode with my takeaways with you. And if you're called to join a wealth circle, I will drop the link for the waitlist for when the next circle starts. They do them a couple of times a year as of right now, and they generously offered a code for my community. So if you end up signing up, use code Xenia50, that's K-S-E-N-I-A 50, plus I'll have it in the show notes so that if by the time you listen to this, the code might change or whatnot, I'll make sure that the show notes will always be updated so that instead of spending that $50 on the course, you can actually take it off with the code and invest it into something. Because once you've taken the circle, you know that investing is the sexiest thing you can possibly do. Honestly, in my life, it's become this fun game that I now get to play. So Okay, I absolutely loved the Factory experience. Every session left me feeling so lit up, empowered, and so clear. It was the financial education I've always craved without knowing that there is one place where you can find all of it. It was super practical. It did have a little bit of mindset and energetics as well. And I got to have very, very, very candid conversations about money with women I'd never met before from all walks of life and in all kinds of different financial situations. I got to calculate my net worth. I got to do an audit of my current investments, which wasn't a lot, but you know, was something like I had put a few hundred dollars here and a few hundred dollars there. And I did mention we have this business investment plus I had my 401k. But besides all of this practical stuff, there was also some mindset work that was extremely impactful and I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. So here are my top takeaways now that you've heard the backstory of where I was coming from, what my money journey had been up until that point. This will all fall into context and make sense. And and I'm grateful to be having this open conversation with you. Here's learning number one. Your journey with money and wealth is a personal journey. It's unique and you get to create it. I get to create what works for me and you get to create what works for you. And they don't tell you in Factora how to spend your money. 
They help you connect to your own values and from there understand the options that you have to make empowered decisions to support your own unique goals. When previously I would read books or even blog posts about, you know, here's three things to do to make better investments or whatnot. A lot of these things are so general and they don't take into account your personal journey and your personal goals and your values. So having this basis and foundation and being guided into understanding what my values are was so important and something I continuously look at with every financial decision I make now. So this is learning number two. Identifying your money values is so vital. And then from there, looking at all financial decisions you make through that frame and through that lens. We did an exercise, a journaling exercise in the course that helped us connect to those values. For example, my values are adventure and new experiences, trusting the journey and focusing on my felt existence, trusting my flow instead of what's out there, and self-generated beauty and confidence. So now when I make financial decisions, whether it's purchasing a course or hiring a branding agency, whether it's something very personal or something for my business, I always look at the values that I have. Is this going to nourish at least one or more of these values of things I want to be experiencing in my life? As I say this, I really invite you to start planting that seed and maybe pause this podcast even to journal on what are your values? What do you want to see more of in the world and in your life? And what are the things you want to be experiencing day to day? Takeaway number three, and this is a huge one, the importance of being clear on your goals. We did a journaling exercise. I love how many journaling exercises there were in the course for intentional wealth building that involved visualization. And then there was an invitation to act on it on a very practical level. So in the journaling, we would visualize the life we want to create, and then we would connect to our wealth potential. And we listed our most audacious life goals. It was an incredible exercise. For example, mine was multiple beautiful, spacious, luxurious homes in various beautiful places around the world that can be used for gathering and connection and healing and joy. So instead of taking one of these, you know, books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and saying, all right, I'm going to become a real estate investor because it's going to make me money. It's more of a connection of what's the experience I desire to create for myself and for everybody around me. And the very practical way that this actually came into play during the course is interesting. I'm just realizing this now when the course started, we didn't yet decide, okay, we're selling the house, we're listing it, it's happening. And in the process, what I got connected to that brought us to the clarity of desiring to sell the house and selling it very quickly, giving it up to the divine, the divine hooking it up, finding the most perfect people to pass it on to. Uh, that's another story. But because we have this large property, because there's multiple dwelling units, there was definitely a consideration of keeping this as an Airbnb. It would be so easy to rent out, find somebody to manage it. It would be such a fantastic way to make money. And something in me just didn't feel excited about it. Every time I would feel about either us managing it remotely or hiring somebody, no matter what the scenario is, it just felt like it was shrinking my energy. It didn't feel exciting. It didn't feel right. Then to contrast that, 
we were on a trip to Nashville and I always love traveling because it takes me out of my comfort zone, out of my usual and known world, puts me into a brand new environment and it gets me to think in new ways and see new things. So what I was able to see on that journey, we were sitting at this delicious restaurant, eating this delicious Thai food. And I just had this realization that when we moved to Austin, I would absolutely love to have an Airbnb. I would love to partner up with Eric to build a healing experience, to build a crystal cabin that serves as a guest house, but also for cacao ceremonies and as an Airbnb. It will have such potent energy to it and offer such profound experiences to everybody who comes there. And everybody will so intentionally be brought there at the perfect time And it will also be a way for us to build community and meet incredible people because there will be a certain kind of person that is attracted to that. So when I tuned into that, you probably can feel it even now as as you hear me speaking about this, my energy just expands. My heart opens up, my shoulders open up, I'm leaning forward. It's a full body yes. So it wasn't that I don't want to have an Airbnb and make money from real estate. It's that I didn't, it didn't feel right to do it with this property. I knew it made sense to sell it. And so my commitment and one of my values is to not make any decisions in my business and in my personal life from just money alone. There has to be something besides that. How does that nourish the other values I have in life? How does that nourish what I want to create in the world? How does that bring me joy? How does that allow for creative self-expression? And so deciding to sell this place and to hold the vision for building our next home in Austin and the Airbnb when the time comes and having it be a creative project that we work together on and have so much fun with and share on TikTok and all the things that just opened up so much space and gave me, gave us this courage to list the house and to give it up to the divine, to call in the perfect buyers. That all happened. That's all happening now. Another thing that I got to look at in the course was reviewing my career because I work for myself. I have my own business There's not really a space where I get to be asked these questions of how happy are you with your career? You know, what skills do you want to develop? Like if you keep going the way you're going, is it going to bring you where you want to go in your lifetime? And this perspective of not just a year from now or five years from now, but in in a lifetime, what legacy am I building? Am I happy with how it's going? It really shook me up and it was really refreshing and it allowed me to Wow, I'm just realizing this now. Holy moly. I think that's one of the biggest things that really opened up this stage of my life right now that I'm in, which is no dreams left on the shelf. All of the creative projects, all of the business projects that I've been thinking about doing when I'm ready, when I have more experience, when I have more money, like all of these things, none of these guide any of my decisions anymore. I am working on several projects right now behind the scenes that have been those kind of shelved long-term lifelong visions, and they're all in progress right now. So there's nothing to wait for. I know that since I'm called to those things, it's time to express them. And being with those questions in the context of building lifelong wealth and building freedom was really, really, really helpful. So the course doesn't do this for you. You do this for yourself. I did all of the homework. I showed up to all of the sessions. I met up with all of the accountability buddies, which is an optional part of the course, being assigned to an accountability buddy and meeting up one-on-one to go over homework and other things. 
I showed up and that's why I got all of these results. And that's how any course, any transformational program, any coaching, anything in my experience works. It doesn't work if you just sit on your chair and hope that somebody will say something that will make you a different person. It's truly showing up from our hearts, from our fullest selves and doing this work and inquiring and sitting with the questions and then moving in the world from that cultivated place of growth. So when it comes to goals, this is something that we kept coming back to within the course. What are your short-term goals? What are your mid-term goals? What are your long-term goals? One of our short-term goals at the time was to sell the house and to open a high-yield savings account so that when we get the chunk of cash from the sale of this house, before we buy the next one, it's not just sitting there, but it's actually making some money. And then one of my long-term goals is to become an angel investor, to use my medicine, my knowledge, my intuition, and my experience to support energetically and financially the kinds of businesses that I want to see in the world. Lesson number four is the breakthrough on investing and saving and the vital importance on starting now, even if it's a little bit, even if it's $50 a month, it does not matter. It's about getting into that rhythm and focusing on that investing rate instead of the specific numbers. It is so important creating those frameworks. It's still on my list to create automations for investing. For now, I just intuitively go into my account and I receive some money. I move some of it into investment. When you work for yourself, you can't really set up percentages. You know that percentage of every check that comes in goes here into investing and part of it goes in savings and part of it goes into my emergency fund. There's no such thing. I'm hoping that this will be resolved soon for people who have full-time jobs and salaries. It's easier to automate things that way. I'm still looking for a way to make it more streamlined, but I have gotten way more aggressive on investing. And then another huge breakthrough within that same contact has been this question of, am I buying appreciating or depreciating assets? And what comes up to me is our car. So when we moved from New York City, from Brooklyn to the Catskills in 2019, three years ago, we bought our first car together and we bought an older car. I think it's from 2006 or eight. So it's 16 years now. And it's a wonderful car. I love it so much. It's a Toyota Highlander with like a luxurious leather finish and a Scott sunroof. Both things are very important to me. I love cars so much, but it's still, you know, a much older car. And I definitely have found myself in places of desiring a newer and sexier car. Everybody who knows me knows that when I travel, I rent really nice cars because I just love driving really nice, fast cars. And the fact that we do have this way older, more modest car definitely shook up my ego a couple of times in the past few years of like, hold on. So, you know, Eric and I both have these successful businesses. We definitely could afford a better car. Why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we pulling the trigger? And the truth is we've invested so much into this property, into renovating our house, building a workshop, building an office shed. Um, so many things that, and we love our car so much that it was never needed. And so all of this, what it really brought me to is back to my teenage years when I would be dropped off at school in an older car and I was embarrassed and I wanted to make sure that no, none of my classmates would see the car I was dropped off in. And so 
all of that got completely reframed and and I'm totally understanding my dad from a new place now. He's always had this long-term vision. He's always been able to save and invest with such precision for the future. And he never really was bothered by any of these external expressions. He's truly the rich dad who most of his life didn't look like one because he was building assets for the future, things that would continue making the money in their retirement. So now that I've learned that to build wealth, you have to live below your means, aka spend less than you earn and invest as much as possible. I'm actually seeing our car choice as a source of pride. And yes, we're going to get a new car when we move to Austin because we need two cars. But the fact that we got to live so modestly with such a low mortgage, no car payments, you know, this car we just bought in cash up front, it made me feel really proud of our decisions and it totally reframed that one area of my life. This is also an ongoing theme in my life that has come up many times in a lot of the personal development work that I've done is I had this understanding of wealth as something external. So I would see these people dropped off at school in these expensive cars and I would think, okay, these external metrics of wealth is what it is. But now that I'm learning to create my own definition of what it is, how wealth is freedom, health, interconnectedness, and joy is all shifting. And it's not like an overnight thing, but being with these questions and connecting to my values, connecting to my goals has been really, really instrumental. Learning number five is the power of community and the power of vulnerable conversations. Being in conversation around something that is important to you is so important. I find that if I'm not putting myself in these containers where I am actively showing up every week or every other week and having these conversations, I just keep putting things off. For example, I had my 401k transfer from my old job from over six years ago on my to-do list for years. And I finally did it within the Factorial Wealth Circle. And on top of the benefit of getting things done when you're in community, when you're in this conversation, also being immersed in this conversation with hundreds of women from all walks of life and realizing just how much of a bubble I live in was really an awakening moment for me. And what it allowed me to do is set this intention to love people because I got to connect with people who were very different from me in so many ways, but we had this one common goal, one common intention of building wealth in our lives. And so I was able to set this intention to love everybody for who they are and see the differences and not just turn away because somebody's different from me, but set this intention to love people in exactly who they are, A Course in Miracles. A bonus takeaway that I'm called to share with you has to do with the beauty of being an entrepreneur. So what I realized is that in my shadow, I had one of these patterns of comparing myself to other people who make a lot more money than me without acknowledging just how far I've come without acknowledging that I am one of the highest earning people, not just women, people in my family line, period. I'm an immigrant. I came here without any connections. Nobody gave me a job. I figured it out all on my own thanks to the internet. I held a vision. I had the support of my family and my loved ones. And I just kept going. 
I found a way to monetize my art and found a way to do what I love in the world while living a life of freedom and adventure that I truly love. Being surrounded by a lot of women who are not self-employed made me realize just how much freedom and creativity and beauty I get to experience every single day that I get to create my own day. I get to decide who I work with. I get to decide who I co-create with. It's so, it's truly such a gift. And I'm so grateful for the internet, for giving us all this opportunity and this possibility of creating any business we want. So for the first time, I feel that I was able to truly zoom out and celebrate myself for how far I've come. Instead of focusing on things that I haven't yet achieved, there's always more, of course. But I think any growth starts with being present here now and acknowledging ourselves that exactly where we are, whether we feel like it's good or bad, it's exactly where we're meant to be. And that's the perfect starting point for where you desire to go next. It's the perfect starting point to surrender all of your plans to God and move forward in the direction that universe wants to move through you. So where do we go from here? My future vision is that I am the wealth manager of our family. It's already happening. That I am an angel investor. I see Eric and I down the line hiring an advisor that will help us manage our wealth. But for now, thanks to Factora, I feel totally equipped to make all of these decisions myself from a place of awareness and empowerment. I am still by no means an expert in investing or finances. I don't, to be honest with you, really have a great math or finance brain. That information just does not get retained in my brain. I don't know why, but my finance brain got organized just enough. I learned just enough and retained just enough to feel empowered to be in this money conversation for life, for me, for my family. And now I can make these decisions with confidence. So this is a real-time update of where I am on my money journey. I would absolutely love to hear where this lands with you, where this is finding you, what you took away, and know that there's a time and place for everything. If you're called to take action on it by picking up one of the books that I mentioned or signing up for Factorial Wealth Circle, then trust that. And if you're not called to any of it, and maybe there's one nugget that you're going to take away and apply that's going to transform everything for you, that's perfect too. Trust your own journey, trust what feels right for you, and trust divine timing. If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, start by writing it down. When we notice abundance and clarity in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on XeniaBrief.com. Subscribe to Xenia Brief Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.